Well, amen. Praise be to God. Happy Easter, everyone. Oh my goodness, it's Easter Sunday. And as I've thought about this, this day, um, I have, you know, wrestled with it a little bit because as I, if you saw the picture, I, I, I did what Chad suggested and I took a picture of my wife and I sitting in a, an empty room, empty auditorium. But you know what, as I think about what God is doing, God is at work today on this Easter Sunday, 2020. What an amazing moment. What an amazing day that, that Jesus has risen from the dead. And you know, normally for our church, we have an 8 o'clock service, a, um, a 9.30 service, and uh, an 11 o'clock service here in Owasso. And then we have another service at Calvary. Uh, I guess Calvary's this way, at Calvary. Uh, and we have four services normally on Easter. And, and, that's, and today, we just have one. But when you think about what God is doing in our churches, the reason we have so many services on Easter is that we can't fit everybody in these walls. But on Easter of 2020, what God has done, it's like he's broken down walls of churches all over the the world. And here we are on Easter Sunday, um, and I believe we are sharing the gospel. There are more people today listening to the message of the resurrection than at any point in the history of the world. And right now, like even right now, just a few minutes ago, I was about to come up and preach, and Mike Roark sent me a text and said, Seth and Sukuntia, who are in, in Cambodia, they're watching right now. And we love them, and we're praying for, for, for you, you guys, as you watch. And I want you to know that. And, but but, but this, this day, this Easter 2020, it's so different and so unique. But I want you to know, in spite of that, God is at work. God is moving in powerful, powerful ways. And, and so here's what I want us to recognize. God is at work right now. He's speaking to us right now. And though our, our circumstances are marked by massive, massive global change um, that we can't escape, uh, nothing changed the world like the moment that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and that's what we're celebrating today. That the fact that Jesus conquered the grave, he rose from the dead, and, and, and that changes everything for us. I mean, when you, when you think about the resurrection, um, the, the, that, that was a statement that Jesus made proving that he really is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And when you think about the distinctiveness of Christianity, I mean, there, people worship a lot of things, a lot of other people they worship, but we worship the Christ. And and the reason that Christianity is is distinct is Christianity is a resurrection faith. It is this moment that we come together and and what's changed our lives is the fact that Jesus conquered the grave. And that's changed everything for us. And what that's done for me, it's given me hope in this life. And in spite of the, the fears that are in the world right now, we have hope in life because of, of, of our relationship with God. And, and not only does God give us hope in life, he gives us this inheritance when this life is over. You know, when I think about the world we're in right now, one of the things that is evident, people are thinking about their mortality. And that's why I think it's brilliant of the Lord to have worked in our churches so powerfully that here we are on this Easter Sunday as people are are really mindful that their life is short, that God has strategically 
torn down the walls of all of our churches and called us to, to go into our homes and our neighborhoods and, and, and in unique ways. And here we are sharing the gospel with more people than anybody in all of history. So God is at work today. So I want to ask you if you would allow the Lord to speak to us today. And, and, and we've so beautifully heard the text already, Luke chapter 24. Keep your Bibles open there and let's, let's look at this passage because, because this moment in the lives of the disciples on this day, on that first Easter, in real time, this was unbelievable to the disciples you know, it's difficult sometimes when you're, when you're living through an historical event that, that sometimes you don't recognize it until you're all the way through it. And, and, and the truth is the disciples were living through this historical event and it was unbelievable to them. When you look at, at Luke 24, it starts out in verse 1 and it was, it was the first day of the week. And, and, and it says in verse 1, at early dawn, these ladies went to the tomb they were taking spices they, they had prepared. But when they got there, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And, and they went in and they didn't find the body of Jesus. And this was a devastating day for them. This, this day for those ladies was devastating for them. They went in to just follow through their burial practices. And when they got there, his body was gone. And they were confused about it. And, and, and all of a sudden, the, these, these two men, the Bible says, st stood beside them in dazzling apparel. And, 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 you know, when you think about that moment, can you imagine what they felt as these men just appear before them? They, and all they could look at their clothes, their glory, they were angels. And, and they, they asked this striking question. Look at verse 5. It says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Isn't that a great statement? I mean, that's what Easter's about. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Uh, Christ is alive, and, and he's at work right now. And, and as this goes on, they, uh, they, they, they told the ladies, the angel said, he's not here. Look at this. But he is risen Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. Rise. And, the, and verse 8 says they remembered his words. They're like, oh yeah, that's right, Jesus. You told us this. You prepared us for this moment. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for what the Lord is doing. God has prepared us. For this moment in history, God prepared them. He, he reminded them that, that they, I told you about this. So what did the ladies do? The scripture says, Luke 24, they ran. They ran to the disciples and they said, guys, look, Jesus is not there. Remember, we, these angels, they spoke to us. And, and look, he's risen. He told us that he would rise from the dead. And look at what happened. Verse 11, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing verse. Look at verse 11, Luke 24. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. You know, it's interesting to wrap, uh, it's interesting in that moment to wrap our head around it. That statement that Peter and John, even though the, the ladies reminded them, look, Jesus told us about this. But sadly, it was an idle tale to them. 
they, they didn't believe it. And you know, of course, think about the disciples in this moment. They were crushed. They had lost everything that they had hoped for, the, the victory that Christ would bring. They missed it. They, they, they were devastated. They, uh, they, they, even though, think about it, they, were, they witnessed the miracles of Jesus. Even John said, uh, he wrote later that, that John said that if you were to write all the miracles that Jesus performed, that there would not be enough books to hold them all. But the disciples, it seemed like an idle tale. They didn't believe. And, and, and you know, Jesus, in spite of the fact Remember John 14, just a few days before, John wrote that, that Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And he told them in John 14, I'm going away. And this is the moment they're living, but they've forgotten these things. And, 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 and these ladies, uh, they, they told them. So Peter and John, what did they do? They ran to the tomb and they looked for themselves. The tomb was empty, and in verse 12 says, they, they just, all they could do was go home marveling at what had happened. This is not a positive marveling. This is a, this is a devastation. This is a doubt marveling. This is a moment that the disciples are, are, are crushed. They were wrecked. His body is gone. What's happening? They're, they're thinking the worst. But folks, can I tell you something, an unmistakable truth that we must not miss today? And it's this, that the tomb is empty. And that has changed us. That, that has changed everything. I mean, I mean, if you just think about, uh, about just paying a casual, taking a casual look through history, you, you recognize maybe some of you are here today. And when I say the tomb is empty, you're like, yeah, right, whatever. But, but, but when you think about how Satan has looked through history, you can take a casual look and recognize that Satan has been attacking this truth from the beginning. There are all these theories about, about, about Jesus and the resurrection. Like, like one of those theories is that the disciples stole the body. Uh, and they go, you know, the disciples stole it. That makes a lot of sense, especially if you were with us last week and you looked at Peter's fighting skills. Of course, they're going to go whip the guards that are at the tomb. There were guards at the tomb. They didn't want Jesus to be risen from the grave. They knew about, the, the Pharisees knew about these things. So they put guards up. And some say, oh, the disciples stole the body. That makes no sense because Peter missed Malchus's entire head. Last week we looked at that. They aren't going to be able to do that. It's a, it's a false theory. It's a, it's a weak um, excuse. Another theory is that, is that there's a twin theory, that somehow Jesus had this twin brother that nobody knew about. And, and, and you know, he just realized, hey, I got this famous brother, so I'm going to go take advantage of it. But that makes no sense either, because when you see the resurrected Christ and you hear how these men were convinced, Jesus continued to do miracles, like going through walls, locked doors, suddenly disappearing. Uh, look, folks, the tomb is empty. You know, there's another theory called the swoon theory, and it's the idea that, that really Jesus didn't actually die. 
uh, you know, he went through the beatings with the soldiers. And, 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 and if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, I mean, that, that's a pretty clear picture of the brutality that Jesus went through. And, and some say, oh, you know, he really didn't die. He just took all that beating. Then he was nailed to the tree. Then they stabbed a sword in his side. But he just passed out, and he really wasn't dead and, you know, that, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had surgery. I mean, uh, several years ago, I got an ingrown toenail cut out. And it, like for five days, I was struggling to walk. I mean, Jesus could not have taken that punishment, slept for a few hours, and then pushed the stone away, whipped the guards. And that, that, that's crazy to think about. In fact, Mark 15, tells us that Pilate, he, he had the legs of the, of the two other men on the side of Jesus broken. And he, they went to Jesus, and, and the Roman soldier said, no, he's dead. And let me tell you something, soldiers knew what dead was. This wasn't their first rodeo as a, as a crucifixion. This was like Tuesday for them. It was like a normal day. Jesus had died. And folks, the... That's where the story of, of Christ continues because it doesn't end at the cross because the tomb is empty. And I don't want us to miss this because, you know, when you think about the resurrection, what happened? What happened when Jesus was on the earth? Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. He did these things that were unmistakable proof that he was God. And if you're joining us today and you're skeptical about Jesus, can I just stand in front of you and, and point and put him up in front of you, point him to you, point you to God's word, and this truth that Jesus conquered the grave. He did these miracles. Um, he did things no one could ever do, and, and one of those realities, things that nobody could ever do, is rise from the dead, conquer the grave. I mean, death is the one thing in humanity that we cannot escape, and we all fear, and Jesus defeated that. And I want you to know that's a hope he could bring to your life today. And I want you to see Jesus. You know, another thing that we recognize, and when you look at Jesus, just look at him, think about it. In his life, large numbers of, of people believed in him in Palestine. Uh, they witnessed his miracles, and they believed in him. And this is, this is evidence of, of Christ being different and unique. People watched him live, and, and they, they were changed by him. You know, another thing about Jesus, he, he, uh, he, he convinced those closest to him that he was God. This is one of the things that he did. I mean, think about James, the brother of Jesus. He, he writes, this is his earthly brother, and he writes in the first verse of, of the book that he wrote in James chapter 1. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, his own brother calls him Lord. Now, I don't know about you. I have a big brother. His name's Mike. And if Mike was cruising around Tulsa telling everybody, hey, I'm God, you ought to worship me, I'd be the first one to go to my brother and say, Mike, what are you doing? Man, you're, I've known you my whole life. Stop telling people that you're God and embarrassing our family. You know, but James, his own brother that he'd known his whole life, was convinced that he was Lord. Why? Why would James be convinced? And it's because of this day. Because after they watched him die and they knew he went to the cross, hundreds of people confessed and attested that they saw him alive. Folks, Jesus rose from the grave. 
And, and this is not some fairy tale or Jesus is not some made-up superhero. Jesus lived at a moment in time, a moment in history. And it was a moment that changed the world. And I want you to know it's a moment that can change your world. And, and you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm convinced today and I am so grateful to get to preach on a day that the walls are torn down. And I want to I stand in front of you today and tell you, look, Jesus rose from the grave. And folks, I am one of those people who are still seeing him and giving, I've given my life to him. And do you know that right now, People are still seeing him and giving their lives to him. And it's my prayer that that's you, that you see him and you, you could give your life to Jesus. And, and I pray you see him today. You know, in Luke chapter 24, look at this, because, because Luke is this doctor and he was meticulous about, about getting details. And, and as, as Luke is writing this story down, he, he, he finds these, these two men, Cleopas is one of them, and, and he tells this story about the moment that they, they saw him. And look at this in, in, in verse 13, that very day, let's look at the details of this, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And, and I think about Cleopas and his buddy, you know, this is after the women had come to them, and, and, and I bet they were like, dude, we're out of here. This is crazy. They've forgotten that Jesus had told them about these things, and, and I can just see them going, Cleopas and his buddy going, you ready to go? Let's, let's bounce. And so they took off. They said, we're leaving. And they went to Emmaus, and, and you know what? Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, look at this. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And then Jesus looked at him and said, what things? You know, this is... You know what's crazy about this? This would be like somebody walking up to us today going, hey, what's the coronavirus? We'd look at them like, are you, are you kidding me? You've been, have you been under a rock? Seriously? I mean, because they, they, they were looking at Jesus like, who are you? How do you not know what's going on? Everybody knows what's going on. That's why this is so compelling. When you think about this historical moment, the, there were probably two million people in Jerusalem at that time because it was Passover. And, and they were there, and, and, and they saw Jesus. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago, how Jesus entered Jerusalem, and there were just tons of people proclaiming Hosanna. And in that week's time, Jesus goes from this triumphal entry into Jerusalem to being crucified. And the whole city knew this happened. The whole city was aware of it. And, and look at what he says. And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, they told him these things. He was mighty indeed in word before God, verse 19, and all the people. And how the, our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. Look at verse 21. But we had hoped 
that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. And you know what's interesting is, is you can see their crushed hearts. They said, we had hoped. Oh, we just wished it would have happened, but it didn't. So they said, we're out of here, and we're going, we're leaving. And, and, and you know what? Look at verse 25. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And what's interesting is, think about this conversation. Cleopas is talking to, not knowing it's Jesus, and he's like, well, let me tell you what's going on, buddy. And then all of a sudden, the guy that seems to know nothing goes, you're, you're foolish. How can you not believe? And they're kind of like, what? Wait, I thought you didn't know what was going on. And then, then Jesus starts does something miraculous. He, 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 he does this, this incredible act of, of teaching and instruction, and he draws a map with the prophecies of old. Do you know what? Do you know that the prophecies in the Old Testament, they draw a map to the resurrection? And, and this is amazing what God does. And, and, and I, you know, I, I wish I could have, uh, look at verse seven, 27. It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, now oh, to be a fly on the, on the shoulder of these men, to be able to hear Jesus taking, starting from the beginning of all the prophets. And in this, I don't know how long it would take to walk eight miles, probably five hours maybe or 10. I don't know. But, but they're, they're cruising along and, uh, and, they're, and they're walking and talking and Jesus draws this map to the resurrection. And, and what's interesting, it, it, it's, it, I wonder about these things. I, I wish I could have heard that. You know, you know we're, we're not the only ones that wish we could hear that. Do you know that angels wish they could hear that? I want you to turn over to 1 Peter. Peter writes this about, about this magnificent salvation. And I, I think Peter may have had this in mind when he penned 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Now, I memorized this a long time ago, and it's one of those complex passages, but I want you to see it. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12, it says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the things that have now been told to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing, when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them, it was revealed to these prophets that they were not serving themselves, but they were serving you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then Peter writes, even angels long to look into these things. So not only do we want to look at how all this works together, even the angels in heaven go, wow, God, that's so amazing. I wish I could look into these things. 
And that's what Jesus did. He traced, he drew this map to the resurrection all through the Old Testament. And I don't know what he, what he, what he said. I don't know, I don't know what he could have, I can, I can speculate. I mean, I mean, maybe he talked about Exodus 12 and the Passover lamb. I mean, think about that moment in Exodus 12 when, when, when the death angel passed by God's people and when they saw the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And I can see Jesus looking at Cleopas and saying, look, Jesus is the blood of the lamb that was spilled, that caused forgiveness, that resulted in life, that, that where the death passes by you. And can I tell you, death loses its power because of the resurrection. And I can see Jesus looking at these men and saying, look, I'm that Passover lamb. Maybe he pointed to Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23, where he said, where it says, the, the, the one who hangs on a tree is cursed by God. And I wonder if Jesus pointed to the fact, you know, when you saw him cursed on the tree, Jesus did that for you and for me, Cleopas. Or he said, Cleopas, he did it for you. And when I think about my own life, he did it for me. And he did that for you. And I can see Jesus drawing this map. Maybe he talked about Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, when, when it talks about the beating that Christ had. Or, or Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, the punishment that brought us peace. And folks, can I tell you something? That, that the, the cross is punishment that God took on himself. And what that does for you and for me, it brings us peace in our lives. And you may be sitting here and you're like, I don't know peace. I don't know that peace that Christians speak of. Oh, you could today. You could know that peace today. And that's why we're here to help you. We have people online ready to help you know about how this this peace could come to you. Maybe he pointed to Zechariah 9.9 and said, Cleopas, remember when he came in riding on a donkey just a few days ago? Zechariah talked about that. Or, or Zechariah 12.10, look, look on the one whom they pierced. And, and I can see him saying, didn't you see the nail-pierced hands and the nail-pierced feet? Look on him. Or maybe he pointed to Psalm 41.9, that pointed to the fact that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend. And I can see Jesus walking with these men and going, hey, remember Judas? Remember that kiss? Cleopas, come on. Don't you see who Jesus is and what he has done? And I pray that, that we recognize this, that we see this. Look back at verse 26. So they drew, 28, excuse me. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he were going further. But they strongly, they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward the evening and, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And when you think about Cleopas talking in this moment, it's one of those moments, and I've done this, where you're, you ever found yourself digging a hole that keeps getting bigger and bigger? Well, I, I think that's what Jesus was doing, or Cleopas was doing with Jesus. Because think about the evidence that was already in front of him. 
I mean, the, the women had gone to the tomb and said, the angels met with us. Then they, they said, hey, fellas, the women reminded them, remember how Jesus told us about these things. But Cleopas was, was just like Peter and John, and they doubted. And it was like an idle tale. They said, we're out. And, and, and you know what? That makes sense a little bit because we want Jesus to be this victorious warrior. And we struggle with seeing him as a suffering servant. And it's important that we see him as this suffering servant. And we've got to recognize that the greatest battle we face is not the coronavirus or, some, or, or the, even an ultimate death in our physical bodies. The greatest need we have is forgiveness of sin. And folks, like, like I mentioned, I think last week, when C.S. Lewis quoted, a, he, made this, he said this, uh, wrote this quote during World War II as people were dying with war. And he said, war is not the cause of death. Death is certain in every generation. And that is true. None of us, will, none of this generation will live will live forever, physically. But I want you to know, when death comes to you, there's hope. And it's grounded in the resurrection of Christ, and I don't want you to miss it. And look at, look at, look at verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And look at this, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one of each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the, to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This is where we get that, that phrase, the Lord is risen. He's risen, risen indeed. And, and, and they, they went and said, look, he's risen. He's alive. And they, they, they went back that night, eight miles. I bet they got back to Jerusalem faster than they went to Emmaus. And then they, they hoofed it. And, and, and I think the beautiful statement here, their eyes were open. Their hearts were burning. And, and, and you know, it points to the fact on this on this most interesting Easter, one of the things I've prayed is that, is that your eyes would be open, that our eyes would be open, that our hearts would be burning within us. Why? Because the resurrection changes everything. Changes everything. You know, I think about the resurrection, how it's changed me. It guarantees our, our transformation. I mean, I mean, the... the, the the resurrection of Christ has transformed me. There are people that I know in my past that are amazed when they find out I'm a pastor because they knew me. And I think about the mistakes that I've made and the times that I've, I've dishonored the Lord in my life. And God has transformed me. And he can do that for you no matter what your mistakes, no matter what... Um, failures you've had. And you may say, Chris, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. And I just want you to recognize that, that God's mercy and God's grace is greater than your failures and your sin. And see, 
The resurrection of Christ, it guarantees your transformation. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it guarantees your transformation. It guaranteed my justification. Now, that's a big word, right? What does that mean? It means that you were made just like you never sinned. That's what justification means. When I think about the resurrection of Christ, it guaranteed my my justification. You see, I've experienced, there are times I feel guilty about my life. There are times I battle my own demons in my heart, my own failures in my life. But can I tell you something amazingly beautiful? Is it because Christ has saved me, because he's made me just like I've never sinned, he guaranteed my forgiveness. That's what the resurrection does. It also, you know what it does? It guarantees my inheritance. You know, the the resurrection of Christ offers to us this inheritance. Now, inheritance is interesting. Most of the time, we think about an inheritance as something I get when somebody else dies. But when the Bible speaks of inheritance... It's a promise of what we get when we die. Look, when when you die, death is not the end. It's the door to eternal life. And this is a truth. This is a reality. And this is why it's so important on on 2020, Easter 2020, that God has, has, has shown his mercy by causing our churches not to close, but our churches to not have walls. And and let's recognize this act of mercy that you can see and hear the message of Christ. There's a reason God has called you to tune in with us today. And I think about the words of 1 Peter chapter 1 where he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that we have a living hope in our lives. Because of the resurrection, it, it's, it's a hope that's real. And into this inheritance, he says, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And where is it kept? It's kept in heaven for us. You see, the day that if I died because of coronavirus, that's a promotion for me. That's a moment that I get to go receive this inheritance that has been laid up for me. You know, the reality is we are, we are all going to walk through that door called death. And you know what? Today I get to be an ambassador for Christ in your life. I get to be a witness for Christ. Now, now let's think about that. What happens when somebody witnesses to you? It's not me. It's not my work. It's not me saying, well, let me do something for you. No, this is God speaking through me to you. Every time we as believers witness to somebody, it is God speaking through us. And I don't want us to miss that. And I don't want you to miss this supernatural moment in spite of the cameras, in spite of, of, of me standing in a in a in an empty room with less than six people in it. Look, God is at work. God is speaking. And I want to ask you, do you see him? Do you see who Jesus is? He he rose from the dead. This is not a, a, a national holiday. This is a moment that Jesus changed history. And you know what he can do? He can change your history. 
He can change your, your future, your present. He can wipe away your past. And I don't want you to miss the Savior. And you know, it's so crazily, eerily, strangely simple. You just come to him. And maybe in this moment, your heart is burning within you. And this is why we have people online ready to help you. This is why you could fill out that prayer request that's on the, on the screen about, um, you, you could pray, you could fill that out and we'll call you. Look, wherever you are, we will help you. God has put us in your life for a reason. And it is my prayer today that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, that you come to Jesus. Will you allow us to take God's word and show you how you could receive that gift of eternal life? And this is what I want you to recognize. Heaven and eternal life is not something you, you can earn. It's not something to earn. Eternal life is a gift to be received. And that's the beauty of Easter. That's the miracle of Easter. Oh, it's my prayer that you see Jesus, that you come to him, that you let us help you. You know, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's my prayer that if in this moment God is burning in your heart, come to him. Because if you come to him, trust me here, if you come to him, he will not turn you away. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, this could be an Easter that could completely change your life. Come to Jesus and know the hope that we have. Lord Jesus, we praise you on this Easter Sunday. Father, you have conquered the grave. The tomb is empty. And I thank you for how your word has, has drawn a map to the resurrection from the Old and the New Testament that we, we have this gift of your, of your word. I thank you for how you're at work right now. And I pray, Father, that even in this moment, that there will be some that are brave enough to come to you and experience that eternal life that is real, that is available. Father, thank you for the gift of Easter. And thank you, Father, for this moment that our walls are completely torn down. Thank you for speaking in this moment. Move us now to respond to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.